You are listening to the One Scott, One Not podcast. I'm Lucy, and I'm Scott. And I'm Karen, and I'm not. I'm not Scottish at all. Join us while we have a wee blather about Scottish myths, legends, and fairies and folklore. So buckle your seatbelts, significantly lower your expectations. Lucy and I are taking you to Scotland. like that I one. did. <laughs> Spicing it up. <laughs> you actually should have said one, two, three in lots of different languages, seeing as you're going traveling. Oh, yeah. Oh, like yes. one, two, three Only in different languages. Eins, zwei, drei. How's that? Maxed out on my languages <laughs> right there. <laughs> what is it in Hungarian? And I don't know. But my grandfather actually was part Hungarian. Was he? So I do have genuine Hungarian blood in my veins. Yes, I do. That's so cool. Yep. And and lots of German and lots of English, I'm sorry to say. Yeah. I've always, I actually always thought it, it was a waste of time doing one of those DNA tests because yeah. I'm probably just pretty much just half and half. Well, actually, I bet I'm more Scottish than English because my dad's side of the family even though he came from Yorkshire, were originally from Scotland. Oh, there you go. The name is from the borders of Scotland. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm probably like mostly, mostly Scottish with a wee bit of English. Mm-hmm. But I kind of was thinking the other day that it would be kind of cool to do it, even though I'm a little bit scared of the whole DNA collection thing. But just because... Perhaps there's some Viking in me. That's what oh, I, I want to know. Yeah, you totally should with your red hair too. Yeah. That like originally stems from Viking. Maybe there's some Highlanders up there. Where was your mom? Do you know where in Scotland like your mother's side comes from um, and your father's side? Because that might tell you that too. Initially, Aberdeenshire countryside. Okay. But I don't know where further back. I've actually been watching... Uh, recently, who do you think you are? Have you ever seen it? No. Oh, I'd never seen it. I thought it was one of these cheesy programs. It wasn't worth watching. Mm-hmm. But there were some episodes up on iPlayer, and it's basically they take celebrities and they get they do their ancestry. And oh, yeah. obviously, they have somebody in the background that researches it all. But it is mm-hmm. super interesting because obviously, a lot of them have just. Something that's not super exciting, but is still interesting. Yeah. Um, people that in there was there was a woman who is a footballer who traced half of her family back to Jamaica, and then her other family, half of her family, were Jewish, and she hadn't known they were Jewish. And hmm. but they had Judy Dench, and do you know who she is? Yes, I love her. Everybody loves her. Oh well. Oh my her? god, it was just you like you couldn't make it up. Sorry if this is spoilers oh, cool. for anyone that's not watched the episode, but they traced her her family back to to Sweden. Was it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Denmark, sorry. Denmark. Mm-hmm. And 
they went really far back. They went back mm-hmm. to like the 1400s yeah, and cool. they, it turned out that one of her ancestors was the lady-in-waiting to the queen at no Elsinore Castle, which was the castle that Shakespeare based Hamlet on. And J- Dame Judi oh, Dench no has like done loads of Shakespeare in the past and is like a big Shakespeare thing and is like really and right. she was like I can't believe I've actually got this connection in my family but not only that they had because it was a castle and they had proper documents they actually could prove that people from Shakespeare's circle had visited the castle at the time that Judy Dench's ancestor had been living in the castle wow. like it nearly made That's, me cry yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. It was just incredible. I was like, oh my God. Like, I know that most of us wouldn't have something like that. And actually, she didn't even expect that she'd have something like that. It was a complete coincidence. It just has, because her family were from Ireland and they just went further back and further back. And then it just so happened that one of her ancestors from Ireland had married someone from Denmark. And and so they were like, let's go down that route and see yeah, what that one is. Chasing everybody down, and sure. they went back and they went so back funny. and they went back and it took them kind of to Shakespeare, which is just cool. super cool. Yeah, yeah. that is really cool. I know. She said something in the program like, I am going to bore everybody with this fact forevermore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i mean ancestry is is inter- is super interesting this is kind of funny our um so max my youngest his middle name is adams and it's a f- super family name from sean's side uh-huh. like his sean's dad is alan adams campbell and it's like a stuck family name it's for everywhere and there's like a like a rumor that like ooh, it's from john adams the president but it was like such a rumor and sean does we've talked about before doesn't give two shits about Uh his family ancestry but my dad is obsessed with ancestry and he's published the you know his autobiography and all of our ancestry. And so for my kids graduate, all of his grandchildren's graduation present, he does their full ancestral. He does like deep dives and he does like all the true historical Uh stuff, like in chasing records and all this stuff. And so, so my son is the first one of my children that he's doing this on. And so he is dug so deep into the Campbell. I was going to say, so this will be the first time that he's looked at the Campbell side. Yes. And Sean doesn't know anything because his family is a little bit broken. And so he also doesn't care. So there's a mm-hmm. multitude of reasons. But my dad was like, no, the Adam, you are di- they're directly related to John Adams, the president of the United what? States. Like without a doubt, it's not a rumor. Like that is that is that. And that is where it comes from. But nice. To, it's nice to have it be confirmed because... <laughs> You know, like we named our son his name, oh so it's kind of cool that we know for a fact that that's what it is. That's, I feel like I'm talking I to know. royalty. I know, and I was like, okay, that's the coolest thing, but it's because my dad. Don't, you know, it's not my dad's family, you know. So I'm so excited that he's doing this, and they're they also um the uh, the you know Smith and Wesson, the gun company Smith and uh-huh. Wesson, like Wessons are also like direct family family members. So they're like the super wealthy. 
um, and uh, like upper crust, but um, in the South and in the North. And our families came to over at the same time. They both came over in like the 1640s, which is so, so cool too, that we were already all here, like together. Isn't that interesting? And his family settled in the North, in like Massachusetts. And ours settled, like came in Virginia, which is weird because we've since Uh flip-flopped. So my entire family is now in Massachusetts and his uh, family is down, is in the South. Isn't that so weird? Yeah. Like directly like flip-flopped. So I was like, that's so strange. What is the relation to John Adams then? I know. It's like their, it's like their direct like ancestor. It's so Jack, um, he graduates in June and that's when we're going to get like his whole printout we can go read it's not done yet he's like still finishing oh my it god up. i want to yep. have a look and as he, well i know it's super interesting and he does like the full family tree so it's like a nice big visual mm-hmm. of it and then plus all the backup can i get him to do mine historical. can i like pay him to do mine oh uh, yeah he loves it yeah because he'll he just ran out of grandchildren because i'm the youngest set of grandkids and so now the campbells are done he needs another project so i'll, I'll just have him do pretend yours. grandchild <gasps> right yeah cool that is so cool though like i know that you've got all those yeah yeah i don't think i've got anyone like that in my family i think it's just a load of coal miners and poor peasants and farmers with no money that's what ours is we have no one cool or interesting or anything they're just poor people who schlepped around from europe and then schlepped around in the united states and here we are so (laughs) like and what about the the wessons from smith and wesson is that in is that on sean's side as well Hmm. Yeah, my dad was like, "Oh my god, the Campbells' history is fascinating." Really? And he was like, he was like, another thing that was so interesting was that, like, on my side, like my dad and his two brothers and his father all have their PhDs. So, like, education uh-huh. is like super well, you know, it still is. But he was like, but on Sean's family. They all have PhDs dating back to like the 1700s. Like they all were these super well-educated. What happened with Sean? What happened with Sean? With Sean? <laughs> Sean is so he's weirdly smart, and he doesn't even have his PhD, right, honey? I'm only joking. Yeah. <laughs> no, Sean is super sharp. That's where Max get his big brain from, I think, too. No so way. it was just interesting. Um, yeah, and he was like, you know, they they were educated f- centuries before, like it was, you know, it was a thing for so many people. So I was like, oh, that's so funny. So I have only heard these little snippets from my dad, but all the ones have been so cool. So I'm so excited because my kids don't miss out be- just because Sean is so, you know, what does Sean think about, the about fact it? That he's related to John Adams. Well, I think Sean is getting a little bit, and he will not admit it, but I think he's like, oh, like these are fun facts, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're really interesting. Like my dad wrote them mine, and I'm like, what? I know it shouldn't matter who you're related to, but to find out, and and you your know, ancestors. I always do it the other way as well. As I was reading, um, as I was reading the information today, today. <laughs> <laughs> about our our ago, topic uh, yeah. I um I always think forward as well I always think I'm reading this yeah. thing about this person in the 1600s I wonder if they have relatives that are living now and whether yeah. they know that who that wh- that nice. they were related to this person oh yeah I don't think I've actually stopped to think about that but that's really interesting yeah like because they'd have to be really into like scottish folklore to care about john kirk right? yeah like, i know <laughs> and not many people I are was, weirdly i was sadly. doing some research on william morris for my art lab 
Association, my art club students. And I was mm-hmm. thinking the same thing. I was like, did William Morris have kids? Like, if he had kids, are there, are there relations still living? Not that I would be, like, totally awestruck. I may, probably would be if I was related to somebody like William Morris because I love him so much. But imagine just knowing that you you were a relative of somebody like that that's that's well that's well known throughout the whole world for oh for yeah reasons. That would be an incredible. I, feeling. Yeah, I don't think he did because he had two daughters, and I don't think either of his daughters had children. It didn't appear oh. like either of them had. Children. So, I love how you start out. I wonder if he did. And then actually, no, think, no, actually, his whole did. bloodline just died with his kids. Yeah. So never mind. <laughs> but I'm glad. We as far as I could tell, I did do I did have a little Google. And as far as I could tell. But yeah, John is John Adams the one that's made fun of in Hamilton. Oh, he's the second president. Um, is he the- you know, it's been so long since I watched it. Did I tell you we're going to see Hamilton on Billy's birthday? Oh, Karen, I'm so jealous. I'm, I hate so you. I know. I love you, but I hate you because I love Hamilton. I I know. I've only seen it while I was like holding. I didn't want to see it on TV because I wanted to see it in the theater. Oh. And then I finally, over COVID, like broke down. I was like, I just have to watch no, this. But, do you know what? I, I think like, you okay, need to do. I, I think you need to watch it like three or four times so you know the songs because that it when yeah. you know the songs, it just gets better. Yeah, well, I knew the songs because I'm obsessed with Sia. And on the Sia station, they play all the Hamilton uh-huh. music because she recorded for Hamilton. I don't know if she had a hand in writing it because I know she's written a ton of huge pop stars. But she sings. She performs a ton of them. I don't know why, but she does. And um, so I knew a bunch of them before just because I'm a huge Sia fan. Fun facts about Hamilton. So, yeah, but we're going to go see them. And I was picking the show times. And the, during the week shows are so much cheaper uh-huh. than the weekend shows. And then I saw one. And it was like May 24th. I'm like, oh, my God, that's Billy's birthday. I'm like, that's the best birthday present ever. And meanwhile, I'm like, Billy, for your 16th birthday, we're going to go see Hamilton. He's like, okay, but what if I didn't want to do that for my 16th? <laughs> I know, right? Happy birthday uh, to me. But actually, no, they, I mean, they, my kids do like musicals, though. They I'm do. so jealous. So they'll, they'll like I'm it. presuming it's not any of the original cast, though. No, God, no, I'm sure. Oh, not. my God. I, yeah. But Deepak is like my local theater in, in the city of Durham, and it's a gorgeous theater. It's brand new. It's maybe. 15 years old uh-huh. or something so it's relatively brand new but it's it's pretty small yeah. so you have these huge broadway shows come in and there's like no bad seats uh-huh. in the house you know like it's one of those theaters where like every seat is a really good seat so. i love the king i think he's hilarious he oh me my gosh so good of course i think everybody loves the king the best <laughs> i think he's like universally you know so so good who are we talking about today <laughs> Lucy Bryden, who is evading <laughs> the question. Did you think I was evading? Am yes, I, procrastinating I do. Talking because I haven't yes, done enough research. One hundred percent. Okay, so we can fill us. We can fill a dead we, space. Oh, like we can fill a dead space this. for sure. We are yeah. talking about Robert Kirk, and his other name is the Fairy Minister. Now we did ah! touch on him in the in the 
episode. Yeah, we did. I can't remember what episode. Previous episode. No idea. I can't remember what episode it was. But actually, I remember talking about him because there was a novel that I was reading. I think it was called The Ninth Child. It's a current, current novel rather than an old one. And she actually uses some folklore and characters from the past and Robert Kirk oh, is yeah. in the story as a character. <gasps> That's right. That, oh wait, what is you have to tell me the name of that book. I think it's called The Ninth Child. Do you want me to get it? The ninth Hang on, child. Two seconds. Well, because I have such a long plane ride and I I'm like stocking oh, up. It's on so my good. Kindle. It's so good. And the other great okay. thing is it's it's kind of easy reading in a way. Perfect. Hang on. Because I'm gonna be super tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. And for our listeners, I'll fill in the dead space. I have a two week trip coming up. I leave in two days, three days, and I'm touring six countries uh, so in 12 days. This is it. It's the ninth child. And it's by Sally Magnuson. Yes. And it's okay, perfect. so good. And it's this one is set in the in Victorian times. And mm-hmm. it's fiction. But Robert Kirk is actually a character and he's so creepy in it. Do you think he's creepy in real life? Um, Possibly. Like, do you think she did her research and based it off? Oh, so he could have totally been creepy. She did her research and the character in the book is the person that I'm going to tell you today. Okay, I am texting Sean right now to download that book for me on my yeah, Kindle. Yeah, so it's a super good one. What was the name? Sally who? Magnuson. Magnuson? That's a very Viking name. Mm, the Ninth Child. I really, I really enjoyed it. She's got another one called The Seal Woman's Gift, which I think is also based on folklore. And I think I might have to order yeah. that one as well because... Yeah, I'm going to um, add that one too. Yeah, so... Oh, Robert so Kirk excited. was a minister who lived in Scotland, of course, because this is a Scottish podcast. <laughs> he lived in Aberfoyle, which is in Perthshire, in the 1600s. I'm so fascinated that this story goes back so far back. Yeah, and um, I'm going to quote the lore of scotland book which is by westwood and kings hill but i will interject with extra pieces of information as well perfect um because i just like the start of this bit it says our knowledge of fairy belief in 17th century scotland would be much poorer had not robert kirk minister of balquader and then of aberfoyle pursued his interest in the Slushi, the people of peace, the secret commonwealth of elves, fauns and fairies. And it stated 1691. I, know, I have that book, by yeah, the way. Do you too? Are you quoting from that today? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. the one that has yeah. like post-it notes? Ooh, Although it might not make any sense because it's 1600s talk. I know. I just had to interject because I don't think it was clear from the reading that that's a book that you're yeah. talking about. But I'm so excited. Okay. So um, is is it's a rare insight into, tran- into tradition drawn from a range of oral informants, local history and personal experience. So basically, he's like one of the early folklorists of... Scotland really he's like paving the way for people that came after him like Catherine Briggs John John Gregerson Campbell all of those Mm -hmm. people that did studies in the 1800s and 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 afterwards Mm -hmm. really Robert Kirk 
began it all. But you know, there are certain things that I find super interesting about this because one of the reasons why he decided to write this study of mm-hmm. elves, fauns and fairies was mm-hmm. because he he went down to London for a little while and he was working in London for a year where he was helping to write the Bible into Gaelic. And he came across a lot of people in London that didn't understand the relationship between Christianity and fairy lore. Fairy faith. The fairy faith in Scotland, Mm -hmm. because it was totally different up in Scotland. Right. But also the way that Robert Kirk saw it was that by proving the existence of other creatures you were proving the existence of God. Because without those, you couldn't also have angels, demons, and gods. So for him, the whole thing was so intertwined that... It was like everything supernatural is possible. Yeah. Because if if fairies were not possible, then neither could angels be. Exactly. Because fairies are possible, then obviously angels also can be. (gasps) Exactly. The logic is so... I know, and it's like you wouldn't get that now. Now the the two things are so separated that um, anyone that believes in God thinks that anyone that believes in fairies is off their rocker. Like... Well, it's a little hypocritical to be like, no, our supernatural beings are all alive and well, and obviously fairies don't exist. That's well, I have had that. I have had that argument with people in the past. I have to say that I have had that that discussion (laughs) with. Yeah, I haven't had that discussion yet. I actually would. I would. I would. I Mm -hmm. would like to maybe not have that because I'm because I would have a hard time biting my lip. How did it go? Um, let's move on. Let's move on to the day. <laughs> Not well, huh? Like I said, I wouldn't like to have one. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we won't we won't talk about that anymore. <laughs> so I'm gonna just so super briefly talk about his history and his life and then we'll go on to what he talked about in his book. So he was actually the seventh son oh, right, of a seventh son, of right? a minister who lived in Aberfoyle. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't just know shouting. Things. I don't know if he was yeah. a seventh son of a seventh son, but he was definitely a seventh son, which he okay. and other people saw as being magical and special. And okay. and obviously it gives you some special magical gifts if you're a seventh son. His father was called James Kirk and he was a minister at Aberfoyle as well before Robert mm-hmm. Kirk followed in his father's footsteps. And then okay. he went and studied theology and he became a minister. He moved to Balquidder and then later on moved to Aberfoyle and became the minister there. He did have two mm-hmm. wives. His first wife died and then he married, his first wife was called Isabel Campbell. They get everywhere. The best. You can't avoid obviously. them. They mm-hmm. get all over. They're so amazing. All mm-hmm. over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and? and then his second wife, she died. And then he had another wife called Margaret. And he had two children, one called Colin and one called Robert. One with Isabel and one with Margaret. And I am interested okay. to know whether... There are descendants 
of right. Robert Kirk, the Fairy Minister. And if they care. And, they c- <laughs> and if they care. I would think it was cool. Would you? I, oh, yeah, of course I would. I think it was cool. Maybe we should, tr- maybe I should have my dad track down his ancestors and we will go and let them know and make them care about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be like, your great, 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 great grandfather was the coolest. I know. And they're going to be like, please leave my house <laughs> immediately. You are a crazy be person. Like, yeah, but we're not making any money out of him because his book's like open oh. source on it. <laughs> I know. It really is, actually. I know. But anyways, we think he's cool and that's, that's all that matters. All and now counts. you guys know about him, too, as I well. Know. So, so. so he after he came back from London in the 16 late 1680s and he was mm-hmm. like really disillusioned with this idea that fairies couldn't be real because there there was a, what they seemed to feel a growing sense of atheism in Sco- mm-hmm. in Scotland but i can't mm-hmm. imagine that the the atheism in the 1600s was as rife as they thought it was at the time it was probably no. like there's yeah. two people in the village that don't come to church on Sunday. <laughs> right out of 20. Oh, the atheism is ripe. Yeah. Two, pe- two yes. people out of 500 yeah. don't come to church right. on Sunday. Right. Like That's just not good enough. Like we haven't got the whole, the whole of the village in church on Sunday. So I think right. we need to do something about that. So in order to do something about that, I'm going to write a book proving that fairies are real. Therefore, fairies are real. Therefore, Angels and demons and God is real. But he died before it got published. And I don't know whether he actually finished it or not. But he was he started writing it in 1691 and then he died in 1692. Oh darn it. Do you want to know how he died? Yes. Next to his Kurt, there was a fairy hill called (gasps) Dune Hill. And he walked this fairy hill. He visited it quite often. And one day he was walking on the hill, on the fairy hill, and he just keeled over and died. (gasps) Oh, oh no. I am going to quote someone called Stuart Sanderson, (laughs) who was a folklorist from the earlier part of the 20th century. And he wrote, Kirk was in the habit of taking a turn in his nightgown on a summer evenings on the fairy hill beside the manse in order to get a breath of fresh air before retiring to bed. And one evening in 1692, on the 14th of May, his body was found lying, apparently dead, on the hill. Do you think he was taken by the fairies? Because that's what I think happened. Last week, I was asking you inappropriate <laughs> questions. This week, yeah. you stole my thunder. Yeah. Well, well, in fairness, I was only one. And you were peppering me the entire episode last week. <laughs> so I'm not sorry. It's okay. Yeah, so the rumor is that he actually was stolen by the fairies. He oh do there is a there is a graveyard, graveyard gravestone in the kirkyard in really? Aberfoyle, but the rumor is that it, his 
coffin is empty. It is just filled with stones that he was mm. stolen by the fairies because the fairies were annoyed that he revealed <gasps> all their secrets. Oh, I can see that. I do see that. And also that he had um, visited the fairy hill like too often and it was a place that you should mm. stay away from. So oh, those yeah, they're were like, the get rumors. out of here. Yeah. And oh then it was confounded even more by a, a legend that sprung up that mm-hmm. after he died, his ghost appeared to one of his relatives, someone called Graham of Duchre. And his ghost appeared and he told this cousin, it was a cousin of his, he told this cousin that he actually wasn't dead, that he was held captive in Fairyland mm-hmm. and he needed to be freed and this is what his cousin had to do in order to be free to free him so his wife his second wife was pregnant when he died and the baby Mm -hmm. hadn't yet been born so the when the baptism of the baby took place robert kirk would appear again as an apparition Mm -hmm. at the baptism and Graham had to throw a dagger above the apparition, it, above its head, Ooh. and it would mm-hmm. break the spell and Kirk would be released from his fairy captivity. But... Oh, oh no. But... Oh, no. Apparently, when the baptism happened, the ghost of Kirk did appear, but <gasps> no his way. cousin Graham was so shocked and unprepared and got a bit of a scare that he didn't throw the dagger what he didn't uphold his end of the no, bargain he didn't uphold what his end the of the bargain hell? so he's been in fairyland ever since he's been in fairyland now apparently there has been a sighting i think it was in oh. the 1800s there was a sighting <gasps> of him somebody claiming to be robert kirk really yeah. Which is a sighting, like an apparition sighting, or a sighting like a human which sighting. Which is where this ninth <sighs> child book comes in, because in the ninth child, Robert Kirk is. I'm not giving away too many spoilers with this because it's no. But Robert Kirk um, is so there in the 19th century. Oh, okay. Oh my god, I cannot wait to read it. I know. I'm so reading that on the plane on Monday. Oh, I'm so excited. Yes. Do you think she's, because he wouldn't like stay away from the fairy hills, that's where she was picking up on how creepy he was? He sounded like a bit like a lurker. Um, I can't really tell you too much about the book because I don't okay. want to spoil okay. the story for you. I, res- I respect that. Um, But she does really give you a really good, eerie, creepy sense of him. Mm. There, but do you think that's accurate? Did you like her depiction of um, him in the well, book? Well, obviously we don't really know what his personality was like because it was the 1600s and nothing else was written about him. So I don't know whether he had a creepy air to his personality. He yeah. could have... I just meant like, did you did you buy it? Like, did you buy it when she was writing in the book? Oh, in that book? Yeah. 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 It's like, it'll make, it's okay, not cool. scary in that you won't sleep. Yeah. But it's got a really good sort of kind of atmosphere around it Ooh, okay yeah i know i'm making a face which doesn't come across on podcasts audio (laughs) it's all right 
Um, okay. Oh, I'm excited. So actually, there are lots of things set up in the trees on that Dune Hill, that fairy hill. Mm. Um, that I've seen a couple of YouTube videos with people have shot oh, really? off the hill. People leave rags tied around the trees, and there's things hanging in the trees. It's still considered like a bit of a shrine to Robert Kirk. Oh. Really? Yeah. So if that is still the case, then I bet his ancestors might know that. Maybe. Because if people are kind of carrying on with the tradition of and knowing who yeah. he is now, like in modern culture, then I'm, that's way different than just having it be written somewhere in a book. And then, you know, now yeah, there's yeah, like yeah. a parking lot right there. Do you know what I mean? So fascinating. Yeah. Oh, it's so interesting. So he didn't actually publish the book. The book didn't get published in right. his lifetime, but it was discovered by Sir Walter Scott. Can we not do like a whole week's worth of podcast on just Sir Walter uh, yeah, Scott? Yeah, we definitely I mean, need to he, cover him, don't he, we? He is so relevant and he does, yeah. I mean, just, geez. He's never not contributing to like he gets, every podcast He gets episode. bloody everywhere he he's, does. He dips his toes in everything, into, doesn't he? He's into everything and Maybe writes about it. he was just it. super I nosy. Like, I know. I know. He was like his own, like, he was like his own newspaper where he just, We would, it, here you know, in Scotland, we would possibly say he was like a bit of a fishwifey. <laughs> Oh, wow, it's so cute. I've not heard that. Like someone that gossips. Right. You know, and like knows everybody's, everybody's business. business. And then publishes all about everything <laughs> as well. Yeah, I see that. That's yeah. so funny. So what were you going to yeah, say? So he, he, actually, you? he actually took the, the, the manuscript and he published it in 1815, I think it was. And then it right. has had several different publications since with like forwards and um, explanations. Right, and you can buy it on Amazon. You can buy it on Amazon. It's on our onescottonenot.com website. You can you can find you can take a look at it there as well on the book picks page. I think there are different variations. Different there's different covers. Covers because there mm-hmm. are different versions that have different forewords by different people. But it's also copyright free because it's published before, you know, seventy five years after the death of the author was like yeah. three centuries ago. So it's super in the public yeah. domain also. Which is obviously is why Walter read. Sir Walter Scott was able to, to publish it because it was it was copyright free right. by eighteen fifteen, <laughs> let's face it. <laughs> It, That's what I mean. It's been centuries. He died in 1692, right. so it was copyright right. free by right. the mid 1700s. <laughs> Which I don't even think they had those same copyright laws. Probably in not. 1700s. Probably not. <laughs> and but if they did, it would. If qualify. they did, it would qualify. So yeah, it is super interesting. It's a really thin book. There's not a lot. In fact, in my version, and excuse all the sticky notes that I was looking. I have the same. I have the same. In version. my version, half of the book, half of the very slim book. There's only seventy odd page, sixty something pages. Is the foreword by whoever's right. written the foreword? I can't. I'm not sure who's yeah. written it in my book. Um, the rest of it is Robert Kirk's the book, but right. are you going to read? From I am it? going to read some of it. It is awesome. super weird language because it's seventeenth century Scots, but it is super interesting. So I will read some of it, but I am going to just outline some of the main points first. 
You're doing an amazing job, Lucy, by the way. I know you said you didn't feel like you're coming to the table a lot, but this is awesome. <laughs> it yeah, is. Speed, speed research. The speed research because I've been dog your dog um distracted. Dog loving. Dog distracted. Yes. <laughs> Best reason ever. I know. But in the lore and in the Scottish lore, the lore of Scott the lore of scotland scotland you jinxed yes. me karen you were saying i was doing really oh. well and now i'm gonna do really shit oh i'm sorry i, I will not compliment you ever again okay. no stop it <laughs> <laughs> that's not fair you've got to compliment me loads <laughs> <laughs> okay you're doing such a good job so all right you got this basically robert kirk believed that fairies were just another species on Earth, which is kind of what we've been saying all along, that they were just a species on Earth that had actually lived, like, overground, but then as humans had increased in number and had kind of taken over the space, they retreated, and they'd retreated to, like, underground caves, hidden spaces, that the fairy hills and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were almost cohabiting the planet mm-hmm. with us. So it says here in the lore of Scotland, Kirk believed the fairies to be a species awaiting scientific analysis like the many animals, birds and insects then being discovered. And then Kirk says, I quote Kirk, every age hath some secret left for its discovery. And who, I love the way, by the way, that he spells discovery it's like with an ie on the end don't you love some of the old-fashioned ways of spelling yeah it's like a feminine spelling of i just like the way you say discovery (laughs) it's magical (laughs) will i say it again for you keep reading just keep reading just read all day long every age has some secret left for its discovery (laughs) discovery (laughs) and Who knows, but this intercourse betwixt the two kinds of rational inhabitants of the same earth may not be only believed shortly, but as freely entertained and as well known as now the art of navigation, printing, gunning, riding on saddles with stirrups and the discoveries of the microscopes, which were sometimes a great a wonder and as hard to be believed. Okay, that's the the best quote ever. I know. That's amazing. Because in the 1600s, they were like, yes. we've got strips for our saddles. Uh, and fairies. And we're all here together. Strips for and our saddles and, and microscopes. Real. Microscopes and fairies. And they're all the same. <laughs> and they're all here together. And they're all wondrous. That's amazing. I feel like we've kind of gone I a bit that. downhill. Like, yeah. not. I mean, I know that we've got so much shit now and like, mega fancy technology and phones but it's like in the 1600s they were so excited about discovering stirrups for their saddles and microscopes and now we've got like here's the new filter for your phone that can give your make your eyes look bigger and your mouth wide it's like really i'm I'm Kind of, I'm pretty excited about some oh, of those are you? things. Not the phone filter, but there are some pretty cool apps out there. I think now there's like wondrous things happening every second. There We're are. all desensitized to everything is what's happening, which is actually so sad. Yeah, it's like maybe we've become 
more. We're like, we're like, blah, blah. We're going into space. Blah, yeah. blah. That app is amazing. It's changing people's lives. Blah, blah. Like We're it's, blasé about like it. The, yeah, yeah, there's every day there's amazing things. Maybe I just showed my glossy moving... about it there by saying, Oh yeah, that yeah, can make your Yeah, whatever. whatever. Everything's amazing. <laughs> it's it's actually mind bending to think about the differences between the centuries. Even the differences in the decades, mm-hmm. like from the nineteen hundred to two thousand. It's bananas. Not and even from the nineteen hundred, we... but from like nineteen 19- from like 80s i know the difference between the 1980s 80s where you had today. like a cassette tape that went into a walkman yes with a ribbon in it to produce the sound yeah, and now know. like wi-fi my brain is exploding and also how are we ever going to keep up this pace of innovation like what are we going to be like just teleporting like i close my eyes and oh i'm in your bedroom like hey like I just like where do you even go know, from here? We We've done so many crazy things. Just in the way that no, in what the we don't, 70s and right. 80s you couldn't have imagined that you'd no. have no. um no what way. we're doing now. You couldn't have imagined it. But No. You couldn't even imagine like the telephone, you know? It, it, like it's magic. Did you not have a it's telephone? Literal magic. In the 70s? In the, in the 1600s. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they were not quite invented yet. <laughs> I'm thinking from Robert Kirk's eight day Can and age. Can you imagine imagining... if he came forward in time? His mind <gasps> would be blown. I feel like you should go hang out in that Kirk and see if his apparition appears and then do the dagger trick and see if you can whip him back. Do you think? Yeah. We need to put somebody on that task. He's a little bit creepy though. Well, you could take two daggers. You could do the one over his head, bring him back. And if he's super creaky, creepy, you could take the second dagger and just kill him for real. Yeah, that would that would be. Just as a backup plan. <laughs> <laughs> he might not be creepy in real life, though. It might have just been yeah, Sally Magnuson's book. might not book. be. So according to Kirk, it was, wasn't always easy to see fairies because of the way that their bodies were made up. So they weren't just humans. Yeah, because like I us. feel like he's he they and he well because he also said already that was his whole basis with that they were supernatural. So they weren't just another race of people wandering around who lived in hills. There was a supernatural bent to all definitely, of that. Definitely, definitely. So they so, were kind of invisible. Their bodies were made right. of. Um, they were made of like they were another species. They lived alongside not only humans but angels, demons, and. And, Karen, people living on the moon. Shut, shut up. Really? Yeah. That's what he yeah. said? What? Which is the whole aliens thing. Oh, man. That's crazy town. That actually makes so many a podcast that I listen to completely relevant, where people talk about the connection between well, the fairies and the and the UFOs and all of these things. Well, actually, <gasps> the one of the YouTube videos that I watched in preparation for mm-hmm. talking about Robert Kirk, this very serious episode we're having right he now, he actually <laughs> was at the end of his episode. I didn't write that information down because I didn't think it that. I needed to go into it with this. Right. But he actually got into talking about the connection between aliens and fairies. I think we need a whole episode <gasps> on that. Yeah. 
I think so too. And I used to think it was so crazy town. I was like, to me in my head, I was like, okay, I'm drawing the line when we start talking about UFOs. But I've heard it mentioned now by so many different yeah. people and in different ways. I'm like, all right, fine, let's talk about it because I definitely yeah. see. Well, what he was saying was the- that a lot of a lot of um, theory encounters had very similar, mm-hmm. very similar aspects to them as modern UFO encounters. So. Um, a lot of right. the encounters Robert Kirk talks about are things like women being taken, being forced to feed the children of the fairies. Mm-hmm. And there are women that say that they have to feed the babies of the aliens. They have to sit in a room with like a really bright light and they don't know where this light's coming from. It doesn't seem like it's natural light, which in the 1600s would have been hard to describe, but obviously like... For modern times, it would be an indoor light, a really unnatural light, but that's spoken about. They have missing time. They have forgetfulness. They There's so many things that are similar that... Yeah, there's also like a torture aspect yeah. to that too. Mm-hmm. So the question is, are ancient fairy encounters really UFO encounters or modern day UFO encounters really fairy encounters? Yeah, I know. Dun- that that blows my mind and i want i would love to sit and think about that for hours on end right and maybe yeah it does blow my mind though i kind of think that possibly heavily while we have a deep possibly they are Mm -hmm. the one in the same oh yeah all i know is that people are seeing things and they have been seeing things for a very long time and that is not new whatsoever and so listening to each each retelling over the centuries is freaking fascinating. And there's so many similarities. It is so many that it sometimes can't possibly be a coincidence, right? You're like, people are saying, are definitely seeing. And also there's, there's, um, I'm digressing, but that's okay. There are, there is a connection between the fairies. And I know we've spoken about this before, but, you know, we're going to repeat ourselves occasionally. Sorry, um, people don't listen to all of them. I'm sure Lord people knows. have not binged their way all the way through um, every single podcast episode. But if you haven't, why not? Go and listen. Yeah, what? What are you doing no, even? On. But there is a connection between fairies and poltergeist activity as well. I know we've spoken oh, yeah. about that. So what yes. Robert Kirk yes. says. Um, oh, yeah that he speaks about that i'm not going to read like large <clears throat> large swathes of this but he mentions quite a few times in this book about throw about stones being um, stones oh, being thrown. thrown so he says uh, that they can also affirm these creatures that move invisibly in a house and cast huge great stones which he spells hug straight great stones oh. hug great stones but he means huge Cast huge great stones, but do not much hurt because counter-wrought by some more courteous and charitable spirits that are everywhere ready to defend man. So he speaks about stones being thrown in people's houses, mm. which is That's very poltergeisty. Uh, very poltergeisty. And then he also speaks about brownies. Which we have an episode on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do we have an episode on brownies? We did, do. I did, did it. We? No, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. That's a what? that's a good. You don't remember? It was amazing. Do, I also don't remember what I said, but yes. Do we you know did. what's funny? I nearly researched to do an episode of brownies. That would have been 
hilarious. <laughs> I'm guilty of the same, though. I'm not even kidding you. Being like, oh, my God, have we talked about that before? Like, I literally don't That know. would have been so funny if I researched brownies <laughs> I and then you, I did that and when I, I was rocked up all like, researched and you gone, no, we talked about that yeah. already, Lucy. <laughs> No, when I did Glam's Castle, I was like, oh, my God, has Lucy talked about this? I feel like she did. Yeah, I totally did. I had a moment where I was like, oh, my God. But anyways, yeah, okay, so, so he was brownies, talking about he says, brownies. brownies, who in some families are drudges, clean the house and dishes after all go to bed, taking with him his portion of food and removing before daybreak. So he's he speaks quite a few times about stuff going around the house. And I think mm-hmm. that... That's super similar to poltergeist activity. So I think well, they're all connected, really. Yeah, and brownies have a, they have a very specific physical properties. Uh-huh. I know from my podcast research, <laughs> but they're usually hairy and naked and short, and they write in the clothes are a big offense. Uh-huh. But but a lot of them become bogies where they become invisible and then they're nasty, and they're, that's when their behavior turns like super poltergeisty. That's when they're chucking things and they're destructive and they're nuisances. I do remember that. And yeah. And so if they like shift. So when they're in their like fairy form, they're like friendly and helpful. And then a lot, some of them like morph into something yeah. really dark uh-huh. and invisible and super scary and terrifying. So there is kind of like a, they're all related. They are. God, that's just terrifying. And also what the fuck was happening in these houses? <laughs> like, like. So many people have these 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 recountants of of don't even know that that's a word, but like of they can all tell you what things look like. Like I just want to know what they were actually seeing. But don't but don't you think that people get that now? There are people that get that now. I'm in some Facebook paranormally groups and people speak about weird shit that they see in their houses. Oh my god, the Sasquatch Chronicles. Have you listened to those? Re- I mean, though, that's bananas. The things that people see. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Ah. So I don't think it, I don't think it, it's anything oh. old or new. I think it's. I know. I just want to know what it really all is. Well, like, ah, I would kill. I would kill for someone to like ha- make a drawing of it or something. Like, are there any ancient drawings of like brownies? I know, like, I'm sure Brian Froud has researched yeah. all this stuff, and that's, like, his the basis. And even his drawings are so, quote-unquote, accurate. You know, like, Joe Hickey yeah. Hall uses his actual illustrations to get be like, does it look like yeah. this? And she'll reference an actual Brian Froud illustration. People are like, yes, that's exactly what I, I saw. I think Brian like, Froud how is Brian? I think he must be. Well, he lives in Devon, which is, like, known for its, like, But he's populations. just got, got it all so right. There are so many people I who have know. said, the thing that I saw looked exactly like that Brian Froud image. That's what I mean. How does he know? What is his real fairy he's, research he's, and background? And he says, he, I know, he really is. He is. Maybe he'll come on our podcast. I'm going to reach out are to him. You? Oh, my God. I'll be like, I'm an artist, and I love fairies. We need to chat. He doesn't talk to anybody these days. I'm Can sure you he imagine. I think I would kind of. Die I'm going to email him. I'm going to email. I might pee myself. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I would also pee myself, but I'm going to. I'm going to. Why not? I've reached out to so many people, and I'm shocked by how many people will talk to me. Go for it. They're just regular people. Oh my people. god! It would be so amazing. Can you imagine? Why not? Worst he does is ignore me. Do okay, it, worst Karen. Worst he could say would do be it. fuck off. Do but like, it. I mean, it's worth a try. All right, I'm going to do it. Okay, I've lost my place, All but right. that's fine. 
So according to Kirk, fairies were kind of like in the middle. So obviously um, angels were like the super amazing, like never did mm-hmm. anything wrong beings. Of course not. And the humans were meh. meh. And, some and, good, some bad. And fairies yeah. were kind of in the middle of those. Also in the middle Although, too, yeah. I think they're a little bit more evil than that, but never mind. Mm. So Well, a lot of people think that they were too good they were too good for hell and they were not good enough yeah. for heaven. So that's why they're like stuck in between. Like us. Yes. Until we stuck die. in between. And then so we're just But stuck. they could become invisible. They were like mere made of this right. weird stuff. I'm gonna quote Robert Kirk again. Oh, I love this so um, much. So they are said to be of a middle nature betwixt man and angel. I love that word, betwixt. I know. Betwixt. Bring it oh, back, oh, girl. Bring it back. He's disappeared. I hope he's I not up know. to no good. As were demons thought to be of old, of intelligent, fluidious spirits and light, changeable mm. bodies like those called astral, somewhat of the nature of a condensed cloud and best seen in twilight. These bodies be so pliable, thorough the subtlety of the spirits that agitate them, I'm not quite sure what that means, that they can make them appear or disappear at pleasure. Some have bodies or vehicles so spongious thin and delicate that they are said by only sucking into some fine spiritous liquors that pierce like pure air and oil. Others seed more gross on the foison or substance of corns and liquors. I'm losing him here. Um, blah, blah, blah. The reason why I'm saying blah, blah, blah is that sometimes the language goes off on a tangent and I actually haven't got a clue what the hell he's saying. So at this point, oh. I start to lose them. But then he goes on to say, they are there are sometimes heard to bake bread, strike hammers and do such like services within the little hillocks that they most haunt, somewhere off of old before the gospel dispelled paganism and in some barbarous places as yet. So what he's saying there is that the ancient they lived in like ancient places before you know Mm. when it was still a pagan land and then some of them enter the houses after all are at rest so some of them come into your house when you're asleep and set the kitchens in order that's the brownies cleansing all the Mm -hmm. vessels they go under the name of brownies so basically what he's saying, he calls them like they've got bodies of congealed air. It's like super weird that they're kind no, of... but I get that. That makes a lot yeah, of sense to me, though. That they're like made of this substance that it could be invisible to humans. And they can actually, right. they live underground now. So they live in fairy mounds, they live in caves. And these fairy mounds don't have doors as such. They slip through these crevices to escape so their entrances are invisible to humans so we can't go and find them well they're like a vapor is kind of how he's describing them but the way he says it makes a lot of sense like his the way he's describing it definitely conjures in my head a really good image of what yeah and they can actually go it's almost like they can go between so they can material materialize in human form 
but they can also talked about this. disappear as well. Right. Well, that's also the, the fourth dimension that we've talked about when we were, when yeah. we had the episode on the fairy faith yeah. book. And I do remember were talking that about episode. This. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> so glad you were there for that. <laughs> um, the Wens book. And yeah, Celtic, Celt, the fairy faith in Celtic yeah. countries and talking about that, but also combined with that fourth the fourth dimension to be able to kind of slip through in dimensions. In and, yeah. and there's like a veil vapory, but that condensed air is a great descriptor yeah. of like a, cause so many people just based on what people say now who have modern fairy sightings, a lot of them sort of use similar yeah. language. I just think it's so I know, fascinating. It's, I, I just think it's so uh, amazing that he was writing this in the 1600s. I know. So he goes on to say that, they had their senses. They had senses like animals. So like their senses, they were able to sense things like animals oh, do the, rather like, than humans. Okay. I think animals, a lot of them have a much heightened sense, like, much more heightened yeah, sense. say like acute hearing and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And actually it was the, there were people that had the ability to see them more and they, they were the seers. <gasps> right. right. And that, is still to, true to this yeah. day that there's people that can see that. Yeah. And there's obviously most people cannot. It was really funny. He speaks about in his book, um, like different ways that you could see by being a seer. Really? So obviously yeah. seers are like a twofold because seers are people that can see the future and can prophesize things. But seers, in his case, seers were also people that had the ability to see the fairy people. The physical physical form. form. Now, was he, so was he seeing these and these are directly based on his observations or is he gathering these accounts from other people? He is gathering these accounts from other people. Right, that's what I thought. Oh, he must have been so mad. This was, I feel like all the great folklore researchers were, didn't, could not, did not have the power to see them, which probably helped for people that were that interested in it, right? Helped them to draw out all this information from the people uh-huh. that co- so clear, clearly could. It's fascinating. So endlessly fascinating. I know. I, know. I can't not get it out. He was just speaking about how. Um, different things that you could do and we have touched on that before different things that you could do in order to see to, to see in them. order to see the fairies and it was like you know there was like this really funny bit i wish i could find it but it was all about like spinning he uh, and like making this kind of weird like a circle out of it and put, putting it between your fingers and then like standing at a funny angle with like one foot up and like round with like your head or whatever <laughs> oh my gosh really and, uh, yeah yeah oh my I gosh. wish I could find it but I don't know where it oh, is oh that's really funny um, so there's like a physical thing that you do with your body and is there anything that you need to do with your mind like rest it well, or go into a quiet area or anything about i was gonna say nature but in the 1600s everything was nature. no it seemed to be that you either had the ability or you didn't or you just did but if you had the ability you could then do these things to see Mm -hmm. it's to see and and i got a sense that it was almost like it was almost like you were tricking your eye so that, you know, like when you see those pictures where you have to unfocus your vision in order to see the thing. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah, yeah. almost right. like that. So it was like, mm-hmm. but 
you had to have this you had to have the innate ability R- ability anyway right but then you right. could do this thing where you would like kind of unfocus your unfocus your eye by doing these certain things and then you would be able to see the fairies right but i think that's super that's super in line with 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 a lot of the the stories that you hear on Joe Hickey Hall's podcast, uh-huh. a lot of people when they say they they see them, they do that little mind trick, right? Yeah, they're like full on in the forest and they're meditating is super common. Yeah, about talking of um, Joe Hickey Hall's podcast, I think my my episode is going to be published <gasps> yeah. super soon, like the end of March. Oh my god. She messaged ah, me. No said, way. So I'm a guest on her, she did? her on her podcast and it's oh going to be I think the end of the end of March. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm so excited to listen to that. I, I'm bursting. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to be on my trip. You have to message me and let me know when it's out and I'm going to So if you are this. listening to us and you haven't yet listened to her podcast, go over and listen to it. It is so amazing. It's got all these yeah, modern fairy sighting. Um, it's called it's literally called the Modern Fairy Sightings podcast. Yeah. Did I just say that yeah. right? I just felt like yeah. I came out wrong. Okay. Yeah, it's it's so good. And it's literally that exact thing of <laughs> what we just said. Um, so, okay. Well, that was amazing. I'm we'll finished. Okay. This episode is sponsored by the Celtic Collective. Do you love being artsy? Do you love getting creative and learning new skills? Do you enjoy painting or drawing? Or have you ever wanted to learn how to paint and to draw? Lucy and myself have been artists for over 15 years, and we have an online art program that's dedicated to teaching individuals of all abilities and all ages how to draw and paint fantasy and fairies, ghosty creatures, medieval castles, pretty much anything in the fantasy fairy genre. We invite you to learn more and sign up for the waitlist to be notified when doors open over at our website, onescottonenot.com. Oh, okay. So much searching. I'm like, I feel fill. I feel complete. I feel fill up. You always cut me off. I don't. I'm just being honest. I feel like I was okay, but so I good. do have. I'm I sorry. do have a few more things okay. to talk about, like super quick, because there is so much cool things that he talks about with the fairies. Yeah. So I'm gonna skip over them, like fun facts, super quick, so that we don't. Oh, get- okay. We don't get boring. I got sidetracked looking for that thing about the Sears, which actually, to be honest, was like not that interesting in the first place. So these fairies, apparently, he like he seemed to know a lot about them. He must have chatted it up with the villagers like all yeah. the time. That's what I imagine. He He's obviously super interested in them. And so he was probably fascinated and was talking yeah. about them to everybody and then got people to tell them his, their stories. Yeah, if, especially if he's writing it all down, right? I can imagine him. They're either shooting the ch- shit and they're just sharing or he's firing a million questions because he's obviously so interested. I know. I in don't it. know how many people he spoke to, but then I think he did do a bit of traveling around. I don't know. Apparently, so apparently there are some... <laughs> so it's it's a wee bit sinister, but he also talks about um, doppelgangers. Um, oh, and oh, so yeah. some fairies can appear in your form, so the form of you. Ah, that's a little um, terrifying. 
so what he says here is that um, some man of that exalted sight, that's the second sight, whether by art or nature, have told me they have seen at these meetings a double man or the shape of some man in two places. That is a superterranean and a subterranean inhabitant perfectly resembling one another in all points whom he notwithstanding could easily distinguish one from another by some secret tokens and operations and so go speak to the man his neighbour and familiar passing by the apparition or resemblance of him so i think the fairies there are like pretending (gasps) to be a human and that actually goes on quite a lot and it's things that we've spoken about before where there will be a fairy that pretends to be the the wife and the wife gets stolen and then the fairy is like there in the wife's place and she's doing that in order to get the wife to feed the child of the fairy child right little changeling sort of situation and he does speak about that quite a lot he speaks about women that get stolen and so on and so forth i mean we could talk about this forever but we won't that's so disconcerting so he says um, their houses their houses are large and fair and they are in enchanted islands and they have fur lights continual lamps and fires and they're often seen without fuel to sustain them so that was what i was speaking about before with like the super bright light the super bright light that mm-hmm. um people in ufo encounters talk about right 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 women are yet alive who tell they were taken away when in childbed to nurse fairy children a lingering voracious image of their them being left in their place like their reflection in a mirror which as if it were some insatiable spirit in an assumed body, made first semblance to devour the meats that it cunningly carried by and then left the carcass as if expired and departed thence by a natural and common death. So basically that's all about um, about changelings and the woman being stolen and having to feed the fairy child and then that other way round where the fairy child gets left in the in in the actual home if you haven't listened to our changelings episode we've got a whole episode mm-hmm. on changelings so he speaks about that he says that these fairies can live much longer than humans and they did have their own babies and they did live off of human food and human and and milk like humans do baby humans but that they could mm-hmm. also absorb ether from the air through their pores what i know god is he like the father of folklore like fairy folklore because i feel like everything that you've told us are things that i've read by people coming after yeah i think i think he's you know i think he started off i think he's really yeah that's like a huge yeah. now i have had that book for years that was the first book i bought like in 2017 and i and clearly i need to go revisit it those are giant yeah. nuggets like gigantic that you again find in other places afterward that's so interesting so they um it's he says there are parallel speeches like that of the people and country under which they live so they are seen to wear plaids and variegated garments in the highlands of scotland 
and they speak very little and by that way of whistling clear not rough um the the women spin and embroider and so they do basically kind of live like us but obviously in mm. this like weird other world like they move parallel. around the countryside but they tend to do it uh in the quarter of the year so that that four quarter days of the year mm-hmm. and then because right. of that humans were kind of advised not to travel then because obviously there was mischief and a little bit of naughtiness going on that, that they weren't always you know they could be evil fairies so know, there's always also warnings about like never go down a fairy path yeah like a fairy trailer a fairly fairy path like yeah. stay away and so they they, they didn't have necessarily religion like we did and they didn't have a king but they had this commonwealth which is why his book is called the commonwealth of elves forms and fairies yeah so you're warned not to really engage with them when they're when they're moving around because they could be dangerous when they do die because he does say that they die when they do die he says that they they turn into orbs no way no way. And they like float around and they're going to stay like that until like the final judgment. Oh, so all so that's like the orb connection. Yeah, isn't that cool? Yes. We talked about orbs a whole bunch in that part of being like dead fairy spirits though is not ever come up and he was like the OG fairy Because guy. so many people no think way. orbs that's is fascinating. Ghosts, but actually according right. to Robert Kirk Orbs are fairy spirits. Right. And he believes in ghosts because he believes yeah. in angels and he believes in everything. So he would have told us that they were ghosts because yeah. that was on, on the table for him too. That is really, really I know. That was like a revelation Really to me. cool. Really? Yeah, it is. Because yeah. I was like, oh, oh yeah, we've God, talked about that a whole bunch orbs. of times. I know. So he goes on to speak about a whole heap of other stuff, which obviously I can't oh go gosh. into all of it in this podcast no. episode. But he mentions, like you said, a lot that we have talked on before about um, fairy folklore. He speaks about their weapons that they don't, obviously they can't deal with iron. They can't have anything to do with iron. Um, mm-hmm. He speaks about stone throwing and elf shot. He speaks about how they can heal themselves quicker than humans can. Oh, and yeah, because he says they yeah, don't I've really die of too. like disease. They just all die at a certain age. And then that's when they become this orb and then they orb. float around, which I just think is Gosh. super, super I'm, cool. I know. I'm learning so much like so so yeah so so much so um and then he speaks a lot about the fairy mounds and the fairy hills and the various different places that they live so here's a fun little story in the next country to that of my former residence about the year 1676 when there was some scarcity of grain a marvelous lapse and vision strongly struck the imagination of two women in one night living at a good distance from another, about a treasure hid in a hill called Shebruach, or Fairy Hill. The appearance of a treasure was first represented to the fancy, and then an audible voice named the place where it was to their awakening senses. 
whereupon both arose and meeting accidentally at the place discovered their design and jointly digging found a vessel as large as the Scottish peg full of small pieces of good money and ancient coin which having which having betwixt them they sold in dishfuls for dishfuls of meal to the country people. Very many of undoubted credit saw and had of the coin to this day, but whether it was a good or bad angel, one of the subterranean people, or the restless soul of him who hid it, that discovered it, and to what end it was done, I leave to the examination of others. And he's got a whole section in here on various different things that this Sears, he seems quite into the idea of Sears. I'm not going to go into them as much, but he, but for him, Sears and fairies were really intertwined because you mm. couldn't know anything about the fairies unless you were a seer and you could obviously um, see what see right. see what they were doing. So he has he tra- did a bit of traveling around and he spoke to some some people and got either first-hand accounts or stories about different things that that the seers had predicted um none of which i think uh we are was our second or third episode was on sears it was on the brand seer and second mm-hmm. sight yeah, so uh, if you think we're bad now go back and listen to that and we're even worse <laughs> <laughs> if that's possible yeah <laughs> if you thought that it couldn't get worse go and listen to Ooh, our first year wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, bananas. He has a whole heap of different little tales all about <laughs> things that um, different seers had had seen. So here's one I will tell you. Here's a good one. I shall trouble you with but one more, which I thought most remarkable of any that occurred to me. In January 1652, the above-mentioned Lieutenant Colonel Alex Munro and I happened to be in the house of one William MacLeod of Ferenlee in the country of in the county of Ross. He, the landlord, and I were sitting in three chairs near the fire, and in the corner of the great chimney there were two islanders who were that very night come to the house and were related to the landlord. While the one of them was talking with Monroe, I perceived the other to look oddly toward me. From this look and his being an islander, I conjectured him a seer and asked him at what he stared. He answered by desiring me to rise from that chair, for it was an unlucky one. I asked him why. He answered, because there was a dead man in the chair next to me. Well, said I, if it be in the next chair, I may keep mine own. But what is the likeness of the man? He said he was a tall man with a long grey coat booted and one of his legs hanging over the arm of the chair and his head hanging dead to the other side and his arm backwards as if it were broken. There were some English troops then quartered near that place and there being at the time a great frost after a thaw, the country was covered all over with ice. Do you know how ice is spelled in this book? Y-C-E. How cool is that? Oh, wow. Yeah. Four or five of the English riding by this house, some two hours after the vision, while we were sitting by the fire, we heard a great noise, which proved to be these troopers with the help of other servants, carrying in one of their number, who had got a very mischievous fall. don't know how a fall could be mischievous, but anyway. 
and had his arm broke and falling frequently in swooning fits, they brought him into the hall and set him in the very chair and in the very posture that the seer had prophesied. But the man didn't die, although he recovered with great difficulty. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that's insane. Wow. So, in conclusion, I don't know what I was going to (laughs) say. Oh, my God. And, and that was fascinating. Yeah. In conclusion, he set the standard for fairy folklore in Scotland. If you haven't read his book yet, go and get it. It's super cheap. And it's just yes. a really thin book. It is written in 17th century English. It's a wee bit hard to read in places. But it's super interesting because yeah. he really explains everything about... Yeah, he does a deep he does a deep fairy dive. He does. Fascinating. Well, I and I love the folklore around him yeah. and his own death too. Like it's so much more than just like the stories that he was he was collecting and retelling. It's like he spun his own mythical ending definitely after his own life as well which is like which is another heaping layer of coolness and the whole thing about the people on the moon and like the descriptions oh my god i know i think i wonder whether do you think do you think the fact that there were those rumors that sprung up about him contributed to the interest in what he'd written which then contributed towards the overall interest in folklore of fairy culture in Scotland. Yeah, I mean, definitely didn't hurt, that's for sure. And I would love to know, I would also love to know more about like the theologians who he was influencing Uh with this same research too, Mm -hmm. either for or against. I mean, there's so many layers. Whether whether any of his his contemporaries mocked him or whether they were for it as well. Absolutely. And I'm surprised there weren't because of the superstitions and the prolific, the, 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 how prolific the fairy sightings and lore were. I'm surprised that there weren't more people like Uh him. Or maybe he just like loved to write, like he was a writer. So he also yeah. just documented the shit out of all of these encounters. And he was like the Walter Scott of the 1600s I mean, who was like into everything and talking to everyone and writing about it. Yeah. But he seems to be this unicorn of of men, though. I, I mean, right? I think the thing is that, that there probably was more of him because it seems like a lot of these stories are well ingrained within the culture and not just where he came from in Aberfoyle, but much, you know, he, I don't think he travelled the length and the breadth of Scotland. So there were obviously other people that also believed the same things as him. Right. But they maybe just weren't um, writing it down at exactly the same time or... Well, that was fascinating. I need to go honestly take a look at that book yeah. and read more into it. Take my highlighter to it and attack it. That was fascinating. Oh, before we go though, the guy that yeah. the the YouTube video that I was watching that was talking about the history of Robert Kirk yeah. mentioned mm-hmm. another folklorist, which I haven't gotten a book by him, and I'm gonna oh, have to look this one name? up now. Lewis Spence. Have you heard of him? Okay. Not that I... And um, his book is called British Fairy Origins. I think I'm going to have to get my hands on that one. All right. I'm writing it down. 
Awesome. Well, thank you. Again, you say you have nothing to bring to the table, and then the table is actually nine miles long. So I don't know what you're talking about. You always do an amazing job, and that was insanely, insanely interesting. Do you know what you're going to do next time? Um, I don't even know what I'm doing tomorrow. So (laughs) You've got your trip. So we'll probably be like a little bit late because Karen's going away for a few weeks. So... Not that anyone yes. will care, but we're gonna we're gonna be a little bit late for the next episode. Yes, 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 yes. It'll be at least. But I can do some research. I'm gonna read that book on the plane. Yeah. I'm so excited. So I will be doing my research and I will try to dig into some maybe I can also dig into some lore. So I'm going to Poland and Hungary and and Czech Republic and Germany and Austria and Slovakia. And I am going to do a little side research on maybe there's some fairy lore in those countries Ooh. that are in line with some of the things that we've been talking oh, about. Yeah, that would, that be, would cool. be cool. So I'll make that my own little side my I'd little love side to research. hear about fairy lore from those countries and right? the simila- like similarities Europe. and differences yeah. between I Scottish. know Germany has a lot. Yeah. Germany is where all the gnomes live. So that would yeah, be yeah, funny yeah. to have like a gnomes episode because I don't think there's gnomes in no, Scotland. We don't have gnomes, apart from a few yeah, in my So garden. I want to know... <laughs> But then also, why? Why are they just in Germany? I thought you were going to say, why are they in your garden? I'm like, actually, I don't have any in my garden. (laughs) If I did, my new dog would be barking at them because he'd think that it was a cat. He was barking at a statue of a a little um, statue of a hedgehog in someone's garden last night. Well, he wasn't barking because he doesn't really bark. He had his ears up and he was primed and ready to chase it. And I was like, it's not a rabbit. Just come with me. We should send me pictures of Miso. We'll put, uh, we can put our dog pictures up on the blog. Miso's got a special like Scottish fleecy coat as well. He's super Scottish. He's all brindly. And I saw his sexy, uh, well, we pa- we call Maggie's collar a sexy necklace. <laughs> it's much funnier to ask where her sexy necklace is than to ask where her collar is. So I highly recommend talking about that as well. So I was looking at Miso's sexy necklace and she was showing it to, to Sean. I was like, oh, she got this like fancy collar. It's so well, beautiful. actually, that's the one that he came in. Um, oh, it's so, so I'll nice. have to give that one back to his foster family because oh, and get a new well, sexy necklace. I did necklace. get a new sexy necklace. I bought one. <laughs> it's like blue and see? purple, and it's all oh, embroidered. See? It's because greyhounds need a special collar called a martingale because they've got um, skinnier heads than their necks. Yeah. Oh, it'll slip right out. So it can slip out. So it's this collar that is built so that it can't slip out and also they've got such delicate skin they're so Mm. delicate their skin they're they've gotten hard is that why they get cold that yeah that's why you have to put cute little jackets on them because they get cold they get and he has pajamas that he wears at bedtime oh my god you have to post that pajama photo. They're so cute. But the their skin is so thin and all of their um veins and stuff are so close to the surface of their skin that oh, that's why they, get they have these thick collars that won't hurt them. So they're called martingale oh. collars. 
that they're really super sexy necklaces. You got them sure, in all funky. Like, in fact, I really love the, the, the website that I bought it from had a William Morris print one that Ooh. I only didn't buy because it said this one is for special occasions only because the fabric is a little bit delicate so it wouldn't last for very long on day-to-day wear but you know what can because i love william morris so much i'm gonna have to buy one anyway i think yeah i think so too just for photo shoots can you imagine (laughs) (laughs) telling you mags mags magerson is (laughs) She's in a coma the whole time. Where's your dog? Yeah, he's Did he go through. I think he went through to like sleep in the other room away from the he's noise. He's like, I am so bored of your podcast. <laughs> Shut up, mom. <laughs> like, I'm out of here. Yeah, you're you're, you're talking well. keeping me awake. I wanted yeah. to Yeah. He's like, what is this shit that she's talking about? <laughs> this is crazy town. I'm out. <laughs> He's out, mom. <laughs> oh my god! Well, that was super interesting. I have to run. I have to go. Literally pack yeah. for twelve days. Well, I'm and gonna miss you so much. Go out. <gasps> I'm gonna miss you too. But we have Facebook Messenger, so yeah, I'll be shooting pictures Send and I'll be posting on my Instagram stories. I'll probably be posting too. So yeah, I will. Cool art that I see for I'm sure. So jealous. I'm going to miss you, you're, but you're going to have your doggy, so you're going to have loads of things to keep you so busy. I know. Awesome. And I can't wait to read that book. Thank I you for quite, like, recommending a, it. A trip around Europe, though. That would be super cool to do. Yeah. I will definitely let you know how it goes. All the refugees swarming and the whole situation. So, yeah. But have an awesome week, and thank you so much for listening, guys. And we will be back with a fun episode super soon. <laughs> okay (laughs) bye if you'd like to join in some of the fairy fun and antics come and find us on instagram we're called one scott one not over there as well and if you have a friend that's partial to the fae or maybe they're even a secret selkie then please share this podcast with them for more information on our fantasy-themed notebooks and journals, uncut and unedited YouTube videos, and to share with us your own scary or folklore-related stories, and also for more information on our Celtic Collective art program, you can find all that information and more over at our website, onescottonenot.com.